0: Welcome to Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journeys and insights with some amazing association executives and partners who are building the industry of tomorrow. My name is Lowell Applebaum. I'm the CEO of VistaCova, where we partner with organizations on vision, strategy, and governance excellence. And it's my pleasure to have with me today Corey Claiborne, FAIA, NOMA, MBA, CAE. We need to get a few more letters after there as well. Right. Corey is currently serving as the Executive Vice President and Chief Executive of the Virginia component of the American Institute of Architects. AIA Virginia is the voice of architecture profession in the Commonwealth and is dedicated to serving its members, advancing their value, improving the quality of the built environment. In this position, he's responsible for the success of the advocacy, education, outreach, and member services portfolio. 2020, he was elevated to the AIA's prestigious College of Fellows. Only about 3% of the organization's 94,000 plus members hold this distinction. And prior to this role, Corey practiced as an architect in private practice for 13 years, serving as a project manager for local, state, and federal clients. Corey, can't wait to talk to talk to you about how we architect the future of the association industry today.
1: Well, thank you for the kind introduction, and all my friends just call me Corey. No need to read all those acronyms at the end, but uh, you know, I've always admired you. So I'm looking forward to this conversation, just going back and forth.
0: and Absolutely. It's a m- mutual admiration. So s- we'll start from a, a place that we like to start with each person we talk to, you know, being a, a rock star, a leader in the industry, certainly recognized as a fellow within the AIA, AIA industry. Uh, that happens because you have some superlatives. You have some places of key and core strengths that have allowed you to succeed. And so but I was to ask you what one of your superpowers are, what would you say one of your superpowers would be?
1: Wow, uh, I love this question, Lord, because I never think of myself having uh, any superpowers. But you know, I think the thing that that really uh, brings me joy is this ability to bring people together from different backgrounds, and just this realization that you know, we're we're so much stronger together than you know by ourselves, and so. That's kind of my, my guiding light, my guiding philosophy is to, to make magic by bringing people together so much like yourself.
0: How have you found in particular, I mean, bringing people together during a time of a pandemic and isolation has challenged some. Yeah, uh, And so we're, I'm not looking at, at the specifics of how to plan a virtual meeting. What I'd say is that that's part of like your superpower. What's your view on how we come together in a time uh, like the one we're in right now?
1: All right. Well, you know, I think right now we are starting to, to, to get a little more comfortable, if you will, coming back together. But one of the things I did very recently was uh, host this dinner um, called the Blueprint for Better Communities. And the, the concept behind that role is to bring together our community leaders with architects mm. uh, just to have a, a quaint private dinner together. To talk about how we as architects can uplift the community through our skill sets, and so understanding their vision. So you know, I have I have the mayor, um, folks from public safety, from affordable housing, from universities, all the key leaders, and just having a conversation about their mission. How can we bring that forward? And I think that's, to me, that's like a perfect example of like in a time like this. You know, keep the group small. We can still break bread together. We're all vaccinated. And uh, still can move the, the mission forward in that way. I think we're starting to see a little bit more of that, more and more, you know, as, as time goes on. So.
0: I love the idea of that sort of like parlor evening, right, where it's not about being in front of a microphone at a podium and addressing, but instead you get to have that like intimate connection, hopefully relationship building.
1: Yes, over some great food. So that's where the magic happens. <laughs>
0: that It is. When we do strategic planning, I always try to insist on like the drinks and dinners where like the actual strategy happens. Right. So You have to have it there. <laughs> uh, when you run those, do you find that the leaders that you bring to the table, particularly from the organization or from the architecture side, do you find that at this moment, they're well-equipped to have a voice of invitation and listening? Do you think this is this time period has helped people hear each other better? Do you find that they're more challenged than that after spending so much time alone? Like, what, do you, what are you observing?
1: Yeah, I think it's a breath of fresh air for them. So, you know, when you bring these leaders there, we're all exhausted, Lowell. It's been, what, 20 months of this. Everybody's exhausted. Yeah, man. And, uh, and we were all trying to figure it out by ourselves at the very beginning, but it still hasn't gone away. So I, I think it served as a breath of fresh air and folks are willing to, to grab some help. And they're just like, hey, you want to volunteer your, your services to help me, your time and your talents to help me. I'm all about, you know, embracing that and moving forward. So I think people are more willing actually in this time to, to, to bring you in and, and help yeah. some uh, challenges together. Are you seeing that as well or... Uh, I am seeing people, I would
0: agree with you, the breath of fresh air is in terms of like the desperate need for like connection with others. Um, but I think what part of what I've also seen is the people have been isolated for so long, they're desperate for their voice to be heard. Mm. And so I, I'm, I worry sometimes in some of the dynamics I see in groups is that uh, we're at this moment, at least lost a little bit of our capacity to listen just because it feels like so long since we've been able to be heard outside of these little virtual boxes.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great point. This is, uh, I'll throw something else out there. It's kind of off-tangent a little bit, but I will say that us getting back together, it's, it's necessary for some of the reasons that you're just sharing. And so um, you know, we just had a board meeting, not long ago, our first one in person uh, back in October. And we had two freshman board members, right? So we've been meeting on Zoom every other month. We had two right. fresh board members. I hadn't met anyone in person, and um, you know, in Zoom you certainly have your own voice and your little five by five square that's there. But Lord, believe it or not, when those two individuals walked in the room for the first time, uh, a few senior board members tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Who is that?" And there was no recollection from the little five by five box on Zoom to come in in person. And so I think, I'm only sharing them because I think if you want to have your voice be that catalyst, right, of change, if you will. Right. You got to be there in, per- in person, in, in my mind. So it helps. You know, that,
0: that makes me want to ask a question because uh, especially as that, that's not the only example that I've heard about. And what that's raised in a lot of the conversations I'm having are the idea of like, how are we intentional? We say we want to be inclusive. We say we want to be welcoming. And yet in that moment, if, they, if those two walked in and experienced board members, like who are they, like how included and welcomed do those two new ones feel, right? Because everyone else knew each other. Right. And as, as someone whose superpower is gathering, uh, do you either have or have you seen any really strong methodologies and how we create more welcoming like moments as we're gathering back together uh, that you've seen really succeed?
1: You know, for us, one of the things I've done is just start off with the social. I mean, I hate to keep it simple, but the food yeah. and the purchase before the board meeting, if you will, when I was just come in and slam the gavel and get right to work, you hadn't seen each other in a year and a half, right? right? And so coming in with some kind of social aspect before getting down to business and then even bookending it with a, a social aspect as well. So being really intentional about making those moments where you can fellowship for us has worked really well.
0: I like that. I, I'm so sorry I didn't send you a beverage beforehand so we could have had a, a social moment before our conversation. I'll take the note for next time. You know the. Uh, it's interesting. I'd love to hear a little bit more. I mean, you were in private practice as as an architect for, for over a decade before right. finding your way here. What what happened that you transitioned from that as like professional path into this uh, association world and realm? What what happened? What was the journey like? What brought you in?
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I still try to figure that out myself sometimes, though. Um, you know, I've always had art in a sense for for public service. And so my, my MBA actually has a, a focus piece to it in public administration. I didn't really know how that would look. Right. And I know when you think of public administration, you don't always think of association management. Sure. But um, there was a time where I was really in, intrigued by city management and thinking about all those design skills in terms of, building consensus, so design and relationships, not so much design of buildings, but designing and building consensus and hearing everybody's different uh, points of view and then being able to move an entire city forward, to me, that's really exciting. And it still is in in some respects, but my mentor, who was my predecessor, kind of understood the parallels, if you will, in association management and public administration. I was like, hey, have you ever thought about this? At the time, I was like, no, not really. I mean, I was having fun in the firm I was at, um, right. successful, um, great relationships. So I really wasn't terribly looking to leave. But um, this was an opportunity that came up. And I was like, you know, when she explained it to me, I was like, I'll throw my name in the hat. And almost five years later, looking back, it was uh, something I, I never regret. This has been one of the best decisions that I've made. And I'm still tied to the profession, right? So yeah. you a know, win-win situation for me all the way around
0: two different paths I want to explore. I'll start with this one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that the leadership qualities and skills that you need to succeed and thrive as an executive in the nonprofit association space are differentiated from what you were experiencing as an architect? Are they, were they transferable, right? What's what's the nuance of, of leadership that's different here?
1: Yeah, so um, damn, Lord, I, I would say in, in practice, what I saw is that you needed the skill sets to bring a team together, right, of different uh, skills and abilities and meet a common goal, a lot of their intense timetables, right? And so I think the part that transfers pretty well is association management, is very similar in that case, bringing these different stakeholders together. But there's also lots of new skills also. I mean, I've always said that when I was in private practice, I could, I could have stayed 15 more years and had the biggest titles ever but the job wouldn't have changed right it's just different yeah. characters and I think in association management was really neat is that one day I could be meeting with the most influential senator in the state working on policy and then the very next day literally be spending time with students right important to that next generation and so yes. the, the flexibility of it all I think it's um, much different but some of those skills in terms of building teams and leading them and and accomplishing, you know, the common mission, I think, are are transferable.
0: You when I go, I'll come back to it. but I want to go yeah. back to a, another piece that you said, which is that uh, your predecessor, you also called your mentor. Yes. And I was hoping that you could just uh, share a little bit about your perspective about that relationship. You know, we hear so much in many organizations about the the need an opportunity for mentorship but also about how like once meeting chicken dinners with your mentors not really what's what's working for most organizations yeah yeah. so what about the mentor relationship for you was a place of success or meaning
1: or help yeah you know my my whole career has been propelled by mentors right and uh, i agree uh about the, the chicken dinner piece for me it's more about the chemistry and so know the mixed feelings about you know the matchmaking formal mentorship piece i think there's certainly value there and our organization does that but i think it's also you also need to create a safe space to where if that match doesn't work right there is no penalty to say hey this isn't working the chemistry isn't there it's almost like dating right The, the chemistry isn't there we gotta find something else um but i've been very fortunate so even in private practice my mentor, who was someone different than the one you're speaking about now, kind of took me under his wing and showed me, um, I guess, sides of the business that I would never had experienced at that age, right, and he just kind of took a chance on me and grew important to me, and uh, I've been very lucky and been very intentional about looking for folks that can serve in that role. Yeah. Uh, i 50 years old and still have mentors, mentoring up and mentoring down, but um it's always great to have that person who genuinely and authentically cares about your career and your life right and um and a lot of times we talk it's not even about work i mean i think that's the other beautiful thing like when you have that mentor that's just is authentic it could be hey we're having our second child that's one of the first people you call right it's not even work related it's just that integral into your life and so uh live and die by mentorship i truly do Lowell. so you have some all
0: right I've been incredibly blessed in my life to have mentors, uh, and both when I intentionally sought them and often when I didn't know I needed them and they found me along the way, uh, you you know, and, uh, and a few sponsors as well, right. Those that think of you when the opportunity is there and says, oh, I know the person would be the right person that you should meet. Like, let me help elevate them.
1: Yeah. Amen. That's right. That's right.
0: I know that you, I noticed that you just mentioned that you also are a mentor, and so I'm wondering if, as you think about sort of the upcoming emerging uh, generation of those coming into the workforce, uh, and if you want to use an association lens for this, that's fine. What do you think is going to be necessary for leadership skill sets? Right, for what should they be looking to develop that in this ever shifting world we live in to really not just survive but thrive? Yeah, yeah what, what should they be looking to develop?
1: I would say those was the people skills. I think my biggest fear with social media right now is that folks don't really have a lot of authentic relationships, right? It's how many Facebook friends do you have or yeah. Twitter followers. And when you get right down to it, you ask how many true friends do you have, they can barely rattle off three, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think for these up and coming leaders of today, Um, The ability, right, to have those soft skills and the people skills that we've talked about for years, but I think it will be magnified and will separate, you know, the good from the great, right? Those who can go into a room and um, start developing relationships because, you know, in my experience, people only work with those that they know, like, and trust. And on social media, it's really hard to get all three of those things lined up for me to trust you if I've never sat down and had dinner with you or, you know, went out to, uh, a function together of some sort, but I would say 100 of those people skills and communication skills would be the key to success.
0: Do you, uh, as you reflect on your own journey, how much of your clear uh, warmth, right? Like you, you clearly relate well to people. You're a gatherer. How much of that was born, and how much of that did you learn? Like, how do you learn or hone or refine the people skills? Because I'm not, I'm not sure you go to a online webinar for that in the same <laughs> way.
1: Yeah, I think it just comes with time. And even if you're an an introvert, I think you can still work at it. And and I know a few introverts who are very good in social settings. And it might exhaust them, right? So they're not going to be out at 11 p.m. at the hotel bar. They might be in the room recuperating. Right. You know, when they need to do it, they do it. Um, For me, it was just something that I guess just innately came through. Um, you know, I played sports, you know, growing up. And so it's always been a team dynamic. Um, and, you know, if you play sports, there's always going to be a group that you you go out with after the game and you just kind of grow and build upon that. And your network just continues to expand. But just growing up, I've always been in those kinds of situations. And I guess I never thought about it. You know, it's just, you, you make friends and you yeah. stick with them and you keep doing it. Well, the, uh,
0: certainly you're, past and your trajectory demonstrate the communities you've been able to build have recognized the strength that you build with them. So as you think to the future, as uh, our time here is fleeting, I'll ask one more. Yeah. As you think further into the future, when you think near sort of the end of this step of your professional journey, you look back, what are you hoping is the difference that you've been able to make? What's the legacy you want to leave behind from what you've been able to accomplish?
1: Yeah, yeah. I did, it takes a ton to think about that one, but you know, off the cuff, I would say servant leadership. That has been really my, my key to success. And for me, that means doing everything to make the people on my team look great, regardless of the setting, right? Whether it's here or you know, on a board that I'm serving on, if you can take make sure everybody looks great, then you're going to just naturally benefit from it. And the other thing that I've learned is If folks know that you are authentically serving them, right? And it's not about you, right? They know that you're in it for them. Folks will walk over hot coals for you. And you'll do the same for them. And that's just something I've always have done from, you know, again, from days of playing sports to my professional life is that notion of servant leadership and not really caring if you get the credit, like really just not caring. Um and I think that's the legacy that I really would like to leave It's just mm. pour into others and you're going to, you'll get some benefit along the way, but just pour into others and watch the magic happen. So,
0: well, I, I imagine as we're having this conversation, a few, few days before Thanksgiving, I couldn't have picked a better time, uh, your, your selfless approach to building relationships and help other, helping others succeed. I imagine there are many that are thankful to have you in their
1: life. Oh wow! Thank you, and feelings are mutual, including you, Lowell. Thank you for, thank you to me, and again, I've always been a long-time admirer of you since uh, I met you at DSAE, uh, probably a few years ago. And so, look yeah. the amazing work.
0: Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure to have had you on to have a few minutes to chat with you. Thanks so much for being with us, Corey.
1: Take care, man. Have a great Thanksgiving.
0: Thank you, and thank you to everyone who tuned in. Thank you, as always, uh, to Amy Hager, who's. On there chatting with you uh, on whatever social media platform you're on. Uh, probably not on the podcast, but hopefully you're listening to us there too. And for everyone who is tuning in, uh, we are coming to the close almost of another season. We'll have one more in December. And we're thankful for all of you, uh, for you joining with us, being part of this community and walking with this leadership journey. Hope that everyone has a wonderful, wonderful, healthy, happy rest of the year. We'll talk to you soon. Until then, Association Rock On.